Guy will Hawkeyes celebrate a long, proud history. In 1970, the university made a key hire, Bump Elliott as athletic director. Labeled as the coach's AD, he ushered in a golden age. But it was a new type of gold, a yellow gold. He brought in Dan Gable, Lute Olson, Hayden Fry, and Vivian Stringer, all Hall of Fame coaches. Coach Fry inherited a program that had struggled through 17 losing seasons and needed change. As part of his rebuild, he decided to rebrand his team, getting permission from the Super Bowl champion Steelers to emulate their uniforms. He worked with a local art director to create the Tigerhawk logo and complete the makeover, saying, where I come from, it's called selling the sizzle before the steak. Coach Fry and his coaching peers lived up to the task presented by the AD, and Iowa has never looked back. Black and Yellow Gold aims to celebrate the great people, programs, community, and culture that define Hawkeye Nation. To me, you, you kind of have to make it your way through the community, um, but you also have yeah, to that's have a good eagle eye. For sure. You have to have you have to have an eye an eye toward governance. You have to have an eye toward fun. You have to have an eye toward the beat, who's coming, who's going, all that stuff. Uh, it's it's a it showed me that it was a, this this whole thing is a really really human endeavor. And uh, without people, you know, you're just talking to yourself, and no one cares. Hello, fellow Hawkeyes. I'm Eric Hennigan, and welcome to the first episode of Black and Yellow Gold. Hope you're all hanging in there during these interesting times. What you just heard was a snippet of a recent conversation I had with Mark Morehouse, the Cedar Rapids Gazette's Iowa football beat writer. He's also the co-host of uh, the On Iowa podcast, along with fellow host Scott Docterman, who writes for The Athletic. Uh, They're definitely two of the best and who I turn to when I need my uh, Hawkeye fix or to get all my information. So what the hell is a beat writer? Uh, Besides being underappreciated during a time where we seem to be demonizing the media, well, I, it just so happens I really like to look things up, so bear with me here. The term comes from the noun beat, in the sense of an assigned regular route or habitual path. An example would be the police who have a, they patrol a beat. Journalists have become invested in beats they are reporting for and become passionate about mastering the beat. This distinguishes them from other journalists who might cover similar stories from time to time. Beat reporters often deal with the same sources day after day, and must return to those sources regardless of their relationship with them. Those sources may or may not be pleased with the reporting of the reporters. Hmm, sound familiar? It is pertinent that beat reporters contact their sources quickly, obtain all necessary information, and write on deadline. A sports beat writer typically is assigned to cover a specific sport, league, or team, usually for a newspaper. The writer often covers a single beat year-round, even during any off-season, for his or her beat. Well, there you have it. We'll learn more from Mark. But before we get to Mark, uh, humor me for a few minutes. Let's talk about us. Who the hell am I and what is this us about? Well, I'm ho- hoping to build a rapport with you and eventually build an online community about our passion, the Hawkeyes. Uh, I have a vision for what I think this can be. I have a lot of aspirations, include a lot more talented voices than mine, and I'm hoping to achieve that moving forward. Not sure how many of you are familiar with Bill Simmons. He uh, used to be with ESPN. He uh, started 30 for 30, had a website called Grantland, used to have a column called The Sports Guy. He uh, now has something called The Ringer. The intent is to build a a platform like that that include articles, podcasts, and videos. But rather than me talking about it, my job is going to be to show you that moving forward. A little about me, my path to being a Hawkeye was peculiar and serendipitous. I had no affiliation with the state of Iowa or the university. I was born in Aspen, Colorado, moved to Mexico. I ended up in Hawaii, somehow I ended up in Hawaii, uh, until graduating from high school. I grew up on the island of Hawaii, which is a little confusing because obviously the state is, has the same name. So we also know to refer to the island as the Big Island. I grew up in a pretty remote area, so we didn't have cable. For you kids, we had a TV with 13 numbers. You had to physically turn a knob. Um, There were four channels on it. You had to kind of dial them in with an antenna. So Saturday in 1981, uh, I was an eighth grader, found myself at home flipping through those four channels. And I came across on PBS and stumbled on the Iowa-Iowa State dual meet. It was in the old field house. Carver hadn't been built yet. 
was my first time seeing wrestling, and unbeknownst to me, Dan Gable, uh, I was absolutely riveted. The, the first thing that I remember capturing my attention was just the crowd. Um, they're ecstatic. They're intense. It was a crazy fan base, something I'd never seen before. At the time, I also had no idea that I was watching uh, what turned out to be one of the winningest Iowa teams ever. Boasted uh, nine All-Americans, seven Big Ten champs that year. Uh, that included the Bannock brothers, who were both NCAA champs. The 10-man lineup, I've looked this up, had an overall record of 302 wins, 45 losses, and two ties, which is uh, pretty damn gaudy. That duel left an impression. The following year, I started uh, high school as a freshman at Hawaii Preparatory Academy. Uh, the school required that you had to play a sport in the afternoons. At the time, I was a big motocrosser, and clearly that was not a sport at my high school. I was pretty damn small for my age. And I had another older friend who had a similar type of physique. And he had gotten into high school and had found a lot of success in wrestling. He encouraged me, and I, I decided to give it a shot. And I was not good at it. Pretty damn bad. Uh, there was a very strong suggestion that I consider soccer. <laughs> that didn't sit well with me. And I'm pretty stubborn by nature. So I decided I was going to get good at it. A friend, uh, That friend and a few others had gone to a wrestling camp in the summers. And what we refer to as the continental U.S., we refer to that in Hawaii as the mainland. Uh, my parents gave me the go-ahead, and uh, I was on my way to the post office with an application and a check one day. But for some reason, I stopped at the library, thankfully. And I picked up a Sports Illustrated and was uh, thumbing through it when I came across an article on Dan Gable and Iowa wrestling. I recognized these guys from what I'd seen on TV a year earlier. They just won their sixth straight championship, and I got my first education on, on Coach Gable and what he was building in Iowa City. So I was really excited what I read, and so I made another stop to go see my wrestling coach down in his classroom. He was a chemistry teacher. He had the only subscription to uh, amateur wrestling news. While going through the magazine to, to find the camp I was going to go to, again, I come across the Iowa Intensive Wrestling Camp, an ad for it anyway, and it listed all of the names I'd just read about. This was different. It wasn't a week long. It was going to be a month-long commitment, and uh, I got a hold of my parents, and they green-lighted it. That summer, my first time laying eyes on Iowa City, and I fell in love. Suddenly, I was surrounded and being taught by Iowa's best wrestlers to this day. A lot of them are obviously legends. And I became a fanatic about the sport. After that summer, I realized that uh, they used to do two-month-long camps. And I think to this day, I'm still the only kid to have gone to both month-long sessions. The risk of sounding hyperbolic, it, it changed my life. I made a lot of great friendships, both with the Iowa wrestlers who were counselors, as well as one of my best camper friends was Tom Ryan, who's now the head coach of Ohio State. And as luck would have it, the two of us ended up wrestling at Iowa for Coach Gable. After finishing my wrestling career, Coach Gable also became an angel investor in a business my brother and I started. And we did, uh, wanted to be a filmmaker. We did a movie on him called Dan Gable, Competitor Supreme. But there'll be plenty of stories to come through these podcasts. Another important part of my time as a student was I was lucky enough to get into the undergraduate program of the Writer's Workshop. For those of you who know about it, it's pretty much on par with Iowa Wrestling in terms of talent and success. And I made a lot of great friendships there too, and through those friendships is how I first met Mark Morehouse. So let's get on with our conversation with Mark. Even though I've known you for, I guess, since college, for a long period of time, I really don't know you. 1990. Is that when we met? Somewhere in there. Is that when you went to Iowa? Yeah, that's when I went to Iowa. I think, I can't remember, it was 89 to 90 or 90 to 91. I think it was 90 to 91. But you grew up in Dubuque? Grew up in Dubuque and Southwest Wisconsin. Born in Dubuque or Wisconsin? Born in Dubuque, lived in Wisconsin, moved back to Dubuque. How old were you when you moved to Wisconsin? Young, just me and my brother. We ended up having four kids. My mom and dad did. Yeah, because there was only there was only two of you at the time when you went to Wisconsin. Yep. And then there was yep. two more. Yeah, my that. dad. My dad worked at John Deere. And he transferred back and forth. What did he do at Deere? Uh, it was white collar, and it changed all the time. But uh, toward the end, he ha he ran a program where if you brought him an idea that saved the company money, you got cash. 
Falco, he was the most popular goddamn guy <laughs> in John Deere. He shows up, he's, he's bringing you a thousand dollars maybe or something like that. And back in the seventies and debut, that was, that was a big deal. He was in the, so he was an executive. Was he like in finance or uh, what was the job like he started, that? He started, he started as a draftsman at, at Vulcan tool. And then he got a job at John Deere because they hired everybody. That was, you know, the Vulcan tool was their farm team. He got What's a job Vulcan there. And then he, was, he was in, I, I don't know what that means. Farm team. Uh, oh, draftsman. He was a draft. Got it. But Vulcan Tool, he was a draftsman at, and that's yes. headquartered at Dubuque? Yes, yep, yep. He's from Lancaster, Wisconsin, which is just basically over the river. My whole life has been basically hopping back and forth over the Mississippi. But, uh, uh, yeah, he he, uh, he worked as a draftsman. In that. So he was always the white-collar side, but he was always friends with, uh, uh, really good friends with the union guys because he was up, he played a lot of softball with them. And so every... We, we, I'd go with my dad to his softball games, and then uh, every every night for like six months while uh, we, we grew up in a house when I was a kid. My mom and dad, they had they were really great Catholics and had four kids right away. Before my dad was 27. Um, Irish? Irish Catholic? Well, uh, he, he's actually English Catholic, but uh, my mom was Irish Catholic, so it was all Catholic Catholic. So, uh Four kids before you knew it. Seventeen thousand dollar house that needed a lot of work, <laughs> and so the softball team, which was all union dudes, you know, there's a plumber, he'd come over. There was an electrician, he'd come <laughs> over. There was a, you know, know whatever a sort of. I got a guy. Yeah, exactly. Build a garage. Well, here's the whole softball team. So uh, that was kind of cool, just seeing how you know the world worked. And John Deere back then was a. Uh, it, it's it was like Mad Men, but uh, but not very cool. They were all working really hard. And the internet for my dad was him calling me with some <laughs> obscure Blackhawk something. Cause I was a huge Blackhawk fan and he'd win bets with his buddies who would like, I guess, look up the factoids in the paper they had in front of them. And they'd ask me this question. I would know it. And he would win like lunch. So that was, <laughs> I think I was, I was doomed to be a sports writer from even then. That's pretty great. How old were you when he was doing that? Uh, 10 at the most. And was it in your head or did you have to go trying to research? It oh, I'd watched the games the net night before. I This is way <laughs> back when the Blackhawks were on uh, WGN. This is before Bill Wirtz uh, really did the damage that put the set to, set the organization back a few years. He sure did. I just got when it was empty. It was crazy. When yeah, I first so got to town here, there was nobody there. Rocky's here. I'm doing the uh, it's all good motion with my fingers. Uh, <laughs> three cubs. We lived through the golden age. Now let's kind of maybe start crawling back toward that. But uh, yeah, I, uh, cubs, I mean, WGN, television sport really shaped, you know, my youth. Just So uh, let, let's back up there. So you, you go to Wisconsin, and I don't know how old you are, and then you come back to Dubuque. How old are you when you come back to Dubuque? Oh, first grader. And okay. then my, then my fam, my, my, my Mom and dad have the my sisters, so uh, so it's uh, Chicago Sports Channels, which there really wasn't like I'd see. I grew up in Hawaii where there was no cable back then. Yeah, WGN. So yeah, so is that where the Blackhawks were? They on there? They were on there, and the Cubs were always on there. The Cubs were on there famously. Yeah, I know that. Uh, the, were the, until recently. Your team, the the Chicago White Sox, was that were I believe they were on WFLS or. See, I it wouldn't a, know. I wasn't here it, then, so it was the same channel with the Hooli Gooli on. So I was <laughs> scared the living shit out of me, and I never really watched it. But those black, those White Sox back then, those those teams had a lot of character. They sure the did. Wilbert Wood, Dick Allen, the uh, the the red and the Columbia uniforms that were awesome. I love those. I, they wear that retro stuff every once in a while. I was actually just wearing my red and white and blue hat just a minute ago. But I was attra- always attracted to the White Sox spectacle. I mean, they had Harry, and they had. Uh, Oh, I'm blanking on the guy's name. Uh, yeah, everybody forgets about Harry Carey being there. Harry, and then who was his uh, his the uh, player guy? See, I couldn't tell you. Oh, I'm blanking now. I mean, there was Steve Stone later with the Cubs, who's now with the White Sox. Which it was is before Steve Stone. Well. Yeah. This this guy had a movie made out of him. He had a uh, he had he had. Oh, I'm blanking. Somebody out there is going to know this. It's going to kill me. Yeah. So okay. So how does uh how does uh your your dad and I know so four kids. What's the age gap between you and your siblings? 
seven years. I'm the oldest. And so how old the your your brother who was the wrestler was the only one brother that was a wrestler? Yeah, it was uh, me and my brother and two sisters. And your your dad obviously wrestler. So how did yep. how do you get into hockey just from watching WGN and don't get into I wrestling? Because I have a bra- I have a brain and I hate, I hate <laughs> wrestling. All right, no. fair enough. No, I love wrestling. I love wrestling as a writer. I lo- I don't love wrestling as a as a wrestler. If that makes sense. Yeah, it does. So your your soft your softball playing draftsman father. Someone right. gets in a wrestling. Tell me that story. Is, would he grow up wrestling? Uh, he actually, he, he played wrestled in high school. He went to state. He did all that stuff. Um, did he place? I don't remember. I think he told us he did, but I never looked it up. So I don't think he did. But <laughs> but he kind of got us pushed off the deck. And, and really, I, I noticed early on, I'm a, I'm a head taller than my brother ever was. Uh, my brother, I don't, I don't know if anybody knows out there that he, he died in 20, uh, 2016. He was a and he was walk. a coach too, right? He was wrestling coach. Yep. Yeah, he has. He probably there's probably a really great book there, and that he recruited. You know, the I don't want to say Dubuque has like problematic areas, but there are parts in Dubuque that aren't great. And he taught at uh, Everson Middle School, and you know that butted up against some of those parts. And uh, he, my brother, got his ass in there and recruited a wrestling team. And coached the living hell out of it. And his Good last day, of, his last day of life, he uh, started to get sick that night at a wrestling meet. People kind of noticed. Jimmy Pierceball was the name. Damn it, Jimmy Pierceball. <laughs> Isn't that weird how that works? I, I, I knew I remember. I knew I would. But anyway, uh, yeah. So his last day of life, he was a wrestling coach, and he saw that through, and he went home and he passed away. And but uh, early on, I could tell I was a head taller than he was, and he was a daredevil. He would, I told you about the skateboarding in Dubuque. He didn't give a shit. He just went on to skateboard. He didn't care about the hill, didn't see any of that shit. And I'm like, okay, I know this. <laughs> I, I, I know this guy. I've seen this guy before. This guy's, this guy's a evil Knievel type. So I, and I knew he was going to be small. He was, a head, he was way smaller than me. My family is small. I don't know how I turned out to be almost six feet or everybody's really small. So <laughs> I don't know why that got in my head that he'd be a wrestler. But I thought, you know what? Uh, you're you're gonna you're a small spry dude. You don't have you're fearless. Let's just kind of get you into that because he would try to skate. He also had one leg seven inches short than the other. That's another big part of the story. Yeah, what's that called? There's a name for that. I, uh, I we know. never we called it one leg seven inches <laughs> short than the other. We we went to the Spriners Hospital in uh, in Chicago. The going to Chicago was always a big thing for my family, and but mostly it was to go to the Shriners Hospital for my brother. And uh, to get him fitted for a brace, which he never wore, and uh, all that stuff. Anyway, he he did end up being going to uh, being a really good wrestler, uh, going to state twice. Um, I was most proud of him. His senior year, he lost to go to state, but he ended up in a third place match at districts against a hot shot kid who ended up would end up being a really good wrestler, but a cross city rival kid from Hempstead. Uh, and you know, my brother missed out going to you know third straight senior. Uh, to state state me as a senior, that's he still had he still had the he still had the cussedness go in and kick that kid's ass <laughs> and uh, get the third place medal, and I'm I, I still have that somewhere and I hope did the whole town go? They usually load up buses there. It's pretty uh, the, you know you know what Eric back then everything was game toward Clinton. Clinton was the wrestling power, so of course they hosted districts. They hosted all that shit. Uh, I don't think it works that way anymore. But Clinton was. Danny Knight, they were. That's such what I was to say, Danny Knight. Yeah, because yeah, yep. you got. It was weird when Gable. I I went to those state championships. Was that? That's all my brother. My brother was all in the in in those weight classes. Uh, so he was he, that, those years. Like eighty six was my first time going. Was that yep. the year? He, yep. That wow. was the year. Yep. Uh, he wrestled. Uh, I can't remember who he wrestled, but uh, uh, I want to say a kid from uh, Waverly Shell Rock. Maybe he was one of those guys who had to who had to gain weight. But anyway, anyway, long story short. As a writer, I understand the fire of wrestling. And last summer, when I got to write the, finally got to the Tristan Wirth story, I treated the wrestling as like kind of the ring of fire that he had to go through and prove to himself that hey, I, I really am tough. I can do this. I'm not just a big kid. And whenever you can get close to the fire that is wrestling, it is so cool if you know how to turn it to camera to show, you know how bright it is. And and uh, just so I understand the passion there. I understand. You know, it's an interesting sport for sure. It is. And I mean, my family was, was way into it for a long time. I was a fan and I was totally into it. 
Is your mostly dad coach? Mostly because my brother couldn't, he couldn't skate. And yeah. I, you know, I check him into the tree in the backyard and it was just stop, stop being fun. <laughs> Did your dad coach at all? I think I'd asked he you. He coached just baseball. He yeah. would uh, coach just baseball and we played at a field. It was actually a football field that we didn't end up playing football on eventually at Holy Ghost in Butte. And uh, his line, he, he loved this line and I'd pretty, it was funny at first, and then I would pretend to laugh, but he always said, hey, guys, don't hit any touchdowns today, you know, because we're out playing. <laughs> I football. remember you writing about that. When you wrote about that, we're going to get to that, the Penn State yeah. game, but you wrote about that. So, yeah, that, uh, that, that uh, uh, you know, we were just this quintessential, you know, bad news bears life, you know, growing up in the 70s, wearing tube socks. That's really it. Well, it's also you pointed out, and I hadn't really thought about this, that Ferentz uses baseball uh analogies all the time when he talks and because his dad was a baseball coach yeah it's funny how that all, all kind of winds together and, and you know what uh, i think there are still kids who families who can say that but you know i i have in my head that it's probably not as many as there used to be there's probably just not as many opportunities and you know as a dad who coached a little i coached a little bit of uh, flag football my son used to be fast did not know that um it's really hard. The kids don't listen. They all <laughs> want to do their thing. You always have a guy or two who maybe have scholarship written on them, and um, you want to make sure they're stimulated, and then you want to make sure the kids who are there who won't will actually be like uh, actually have to take gym their senior years, won't be out for a sport, can't <laughs> test out of it. You're going to have a few of those too. So um, it's not easy and it takes time. And I'm not sure how many dads are out there who are getting to taste that. I would highly recommend it. Whatever sport you love, give it a shot. I think kids will, you'll always have those stories. Hopefully they're good. That's awesome. I, I loved sports obviously growing up, as you know, I tried a bunch of them too. It was weird. I will tell you, it's, it's interesting about your brother. I didn't realize that was the years, but it makes sense. So I was a freshman at Iowa and I'd never been to the state championships before. And somehow I became good friends uh, with Lenny Zaleski. I'm sure you remember Jim Zaleski, three-time yes. national champ, and Lenny. Of course. And Lenny was his was Gable's recruiter. And he invited me to go with him because I'd never been to it. And it was, I always hung out with older people. I'm not sure why. But and I didn't know we we're going to end up going with Coach and his wife with Kathy and Dan Gable. And we ended up in their van. And the four of us driving down there I had just lost a bet. I bet if anybody, me and another wrestler, bet that if anybody got a pin against Iowa State, that we'd shave our heads bald. Oh, and boy. And, of course, I went through with it. <laughs> My hair was just starting to grow back a little bit. And uh, I, I went down there. There's a point to that's part of the story. But we're going down there, and all the, every time about Danny Knight, he's going for his fourth. And I can't remember. He had some crazy record. And I knew his brother, Steve Well, who wrestled at Iowa as well. Right. And, um, was Steve at Iowa or Iowa State? He was, Iowa State. he was at Iowa, and then he transferred. This is the story. So we're going down there, and that was an incredible year for Iowa wrestlers. So you had Bart Chelsvig, Mark oh, yeah. Weiland, Chad Zapital. Crazy, the brands. I think I know them. I think they're still on the news. <laughs> but but I didn't know who they were. I knew who all these other guys were. Ozendorf. It was, it's a crazy team. They all went to Iowa. But the brands, I'd never even heard of them. And all I knew was about Danny Knight going for this crazy record. And Gable, the entire trip back to Iowa City, he kept talking about the brands. I'm like, the brands? What are you talking about? Like that one Terry guy who barely won. Is single A the best and triple? No, triple A is the best and single A is like the. Yeah, I think so. I can't remember exactly what it was then. But I'm telling you what Gable saw. I'll tell you right now. Gable saw a two for one. I don't know. I didn't see it. He saw two it. for one. Twins weren't gonna, <laughs> Twins weren't going to split up. No, it is true, but that's that's a very true thing about wrestlers. They say, like in the Midwest, you know, it's brothers working on the farm and everything. There's really nothing to do in the winter, and they end up wrestling each other. But yeah. those two beat the heck out of each other. Yes, yes. Well, so then he kept talking about on the way back. I'm like, what? Who, who are you talking about? And when they got there, too, it was to beat the heck out of him. We all did. I was, like, shocked that this is the guys he was all excited about. And he wouldn't stop talking about him the whole ride. He definitely saw something nobody else did. I watched Dan Knight wrestle a lot, man, and uh, he was perfect. Yeah, nobody challenged him. He was he was a machine. They had another Clinton had another guy, Baron Hendricks. I think he ended up at Purdue. That's the guy my brother wrestled all the time. Ofer, Ofer couldn't touch him. <laughs> couldn't touch him. It, it was it was a menace. That's they were funny. fun to watch. Those guys were fun to watch. 
Clinton really does in my mind that old those old days. They, that is something that town really. Uh, well, I was tight with the Knights. I was tight with them. They were they're great guys, really good guys. Mm-hmm. And Steve left. He was not, he didn't leave happily. Obviously, he went to Iowa State, which tells you he was unhappy. Yeah. And then his brother joined him. But um, yeah, they they could not have been nicer guys. And then I was just shocked when Terry started beating the heck out of him. And I'm like, okay, Cable knows what he's doing. Apparently, yeah. <laughs> I, I kind of wasn't surprised. Yeah. But but um, yeah, Cable knows what he's doing. Well, the bald head, I've got to tell you that story really quick, too, is that Jim Zalewski at the time was with Jay Robinson, who was Gable's assistant, and had gone to Minnesota. This mm-hmm. is before he started beating Iowa. And so Jim Zalewski is his recruiter as well, and he's at the state championships, and that's where we're going for title number 10. Right. And we had these number 10 stickers. Do you remember those at all? Not really, no. They had these 10 stickers made up, and they were, you know, like a backing, almost like a little Iowa badge or something you put on. So the Roman numeral 10. And we had a bunch of them, and Lenny and I, kept, we were hanging out with Jimmy, and we kept slapping him on the back and slapping oh. number 10 new, Roman t- numeral numbers all over him. <laughs> <laughs> he was walking around recruiting that way. And uh, then the other... That's, that you actually helped, probably. <laughs> well, then the other thing that I loved was, so my head is finally, you know, starting to have hair grow back, and I ended up staying in Lenny's room. And we'd had a few pops, and I'd taking a little nap late at night in the room and I wake up to hysterical laughter and it's him and Jimmy. They have my head lathered and they're shaving it again. (laughs) Not amused. All right. So getting back to the beak. So you, you go to high school there and then did you play hockey? What's yeah, a little bit, a little hockey and football were my favorites. Um, and I, you know, I kind of compare my career to Reggie tower from, uh, bad news bears. Looked like he should work. Looked like everything should be good. (laughs) Yeah, not great. Not that great. Yeah, you know, I was faster and I was smart, and that, that really showed up in about every sport. You clearly like the bad news bears. Yeah, I should probably not use that as a reference point. <laughs> no, I, should I like it. Use more books, but uh, I, I'm trying to, I'm trying to edit out '70s movies references, but they just keep growing. They're the best. Gotta love them. They can work. It's just a matter of who's watched it. I remember when I saw Bad News Bears, there was another one that was uh, with Scott Bayo. It's a bunch of kids in a gangster movie, like The Godfather. What the heck was it called? That was Bugsy Malone. Bugsy Malone. How about that movie? Jeez, that was right at the same time. It creeped me out. I didn't think little <laughs> kids being in a gangster creeped me out. I looked it up the other day. I found some on YouTube. It's actually very creepy. Jodie Foster. Yeah. It's not good. No, it's very strange. It's, it's not so, good. so inappropriate. So I guess some of the bad news bears, I guess, if you think about that, too. It's all inappropriate. So, yeah, Reggie Tower. That was me. Uh, it kind of looked like it should have worked, but it didn't. Uh, my brother was actually really good. My sister won state uh, medals and track. He was fantastic. And then my other sister. What event? Mid-sprints, 400, 800-ish. And then my little sister, my youngest sister, she ended up making the senior basketball team, but she has a story with that. Big senior basketball. She was actually okay. But. It got down to her. She didn't really show a lot of interest in sports. So my, my, you know, after being the last of four brothers and sisters who did play sports, my parents were out of money, and it was like kind of like, okay, well here you go. And they gave her a pair of McGregor high tops from Walmart, <laughs> and that is her story for life. I can tell I'm not the favorite because I got the McGregor wall uh, high tops from Walmart. Actually, it was probably Kmart back then. I don't know if there was Walmart. So did you ever get to play hockey? Yes, uh, in high school, all the way around. And then uh, we had a we had a park, Allison Henderson Park, that was fairly close, probably a mile from our house, mile and a half. Maybe it's not a cheap sport either. No, but uh, you get to you get on a you get on a crappy sheet of ice out in the middle of nowhere. It was flooded. <laughs> Allison, Allison Henderson was flooded. They had nets. Uh, I think they brought in boards later. Um, I played a little high school but not very much that was really it and, uh but hockey just stayed in me and i played it wherever we could find it you know moving out of iowa city well they're in minnesota for a little while newspaper worked at a newspaper there and got together at noon um way late in the fall played a little bit uh, so it's always been like the sport i've played but uh football was too and i i sucked just as bad as that at that I had a lot of fun but like i said too stupid to know what I was doing. And when does the writing stuff start to happen? Are you like I, school? Paper I'm still or? I'm still waiting for it to happen. <laughs> um, no, uh, I think of my senior 
senior year at Northern Iowa, I, I decided to be the sports editor of the Northern Iowa newspaper. That was the uh, the uh, the school paper at the University of Northern Iowa. So I do that, and basically, that there's no journalism in that. It's pasting up the newspaper at, and twice a week <laughs> with uh, some really cool features people that I still know. Well, I think uh, one of them is a professor who works at Drake. Yeah, that's that was really kind of the dunk in the water, and then uh, can't remember from there. Oh, from there I went to grad school at uh, Iowa, kind of catching up with you. And that's when we met each other. And I guess I must have met you through my DI friend, uh, Daily Iowan friends. Probably Paper. John and Shipley and Galloway and Galloway and maybe Locke. Yeah, Locke for sure. All those guys. And and they really didn't do that much sports stuff. Greg did do at one point with Shipley. Uh, they had me on with the Brands Brothers. I brought the three of us went down and did their little TV show they were trying to do. And we weren't anybody at the time. So we played more sports at the did. Shipley and I played uh, wiffle ball every night, sweaty, swearing. I think that's how home we runs. Uh, I think that's how you and I met. Yep. Uh, fight, uh, keeping score, all, you know, all the craziness. And then we play back. We play a lot of pickup basketball over at uh, the field house. Yeah, the right and I, sure. I I remember I, I made a call last fall to, to John Hartley uh, for a story about I was doing a story about uh, the Aiden Fry and the in the wing uniforms and how they were unveiled, which was a crazy story. I talked to John Hartley. I played against him over there. Oh my God, he was a hack machine, and it hurt. He was a linebacker. He would hack and it would hurt. But anyway, I'm talking to John, and uh, yes, he was over there. He he would say he would say hey. You know what? We'd go over there, we'd lift, we'd be pissed off, and we'd hack everyone. That's and he apologized. He said, "I we were just very. I know, I know what my behavior was, and I apologize for it." It was <laughs> a little like, bit like playing basketball with the wrestlers. I was like, "Dude, exactly." I was like, "Dude, don't worry about that because we passed that. We used to play against Keno Davis. We passed that right on to him. We hacked the living <laughs> hell out of Keno Davis, and." uh Boy, Keno would give it right back. I was a pretty big dude, and he would not back down. It was anyway. I was pretty pretty sure I was. You know, you, know, you brought up the term wrestlers playing basketball. That's how I used to describe uh, Dick Christensen playing quarterback <laughs> for the Hawkeyes. Um, he lived in my building not long ago. Yeah, and uh, he was a wrestler playing basketball at quarterback. <laughs> I was basically a hockey player playing basketball at basketball. I was in a uh, crazy class. That I thought we were going to get. No, I think we did get a grade for it. So I took it because I thought I was going to take care of my PE uh, fulfillment at Iowa. Believe it or not, you had to take uh, four PE classes. And I thought it was crazy for somebody who's having to go to practice five hours a day to have to go take a PE class. So there was a class that I thought was going to fulfill it, and it didn't. It was really there to help our GPA. But it was it was actually pretty interesting, and you played every kind of sport like you know golf and tennis and basketball, and you learned all the rules and everything. And it was it was two weeks long, and it was every day. So I took it, and it was all athletes in it. Dane and Hughes and Tom Brands ended up being in the finals of everything. It was ridiculous. <laughs> I don't if it was tennis, if it, whatever it was, but the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen in my life. So AC Earl was in the class. Yes. And do you remember the point guard, Smith, with played with AC? He's really Yeah, fast. Kevin Smith, I think. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. Him and a girl, too, who was on the girls' basketball team, the three of them ended up on a team together, and we had to play against them. It was like me and the brands, and I'm trying to throw no-look passes because I've been watching too much Michael Jordan. It yes, was embarrassing. <laughs> it was embarrassing. Don't do that. No. All right, so you get so you, you end up at, uh, at Iowa and go to the university there for a little bit, and then – where do you go right after that? When did you, what's your first job writing? Um, the Fairmont Sentinel in Fairmont, Minnesota. I drove up not knowing if I was the news writer that they hired or the sports writer that they hired. <laughs> or both. And, and you do this. You do this without the internet back then. Um, so there's no, like, follow-up. You just make a call. Hey, come on up and interview. And it, it was a five, six-hour drive, and I did it, and I got a job, and Probably should not have pursued that, but uh, <laughs> it worked out. Twelve thousand bucks, no, sixteen k a year. And uh, so, what did the job end up being? What did you find out it was? It was sports, and I was fine with it. And I had no concept of deadline, and I had to figure that out pretty quick. But other than that, we spent. Uh, What'd you was, cover? What'd you cover? High school sports? Uh, yeah, high school sports. It's all that there was. Um, so soft. Those kids would be forty-ish now, I think. Um. 
my wife and I celebrated our first anniversary on a football field up there. Uh, so it'd be 30 years ago this year. Wow. Um, Congrats. Uh, we, yeah. Thank you. Uh, nine man football game. And one of the teams was Granada Huntley East chain and Martin Luther. So it was like five towns and one, one uh, Martin Luther school. And uh, they put out a nine man football team there. I can't remember who they played. But I remember basically there's no tackles. So, you know, I don't think I've ever seen a, I've, you know, hear about it, but I don't think I've ever seen one of those games. Also covered the darkest football game I ever covered, uh, Central of Fenton, way northwest Iowa. Uh, a bunch of people pulled up, and thankfully they they added their car. I was going to ask you, <laughs> yeah, their car lights to the stadium lights, and the, it was it was workable, but it was it was the darkest game I ever covered. My guess is that there are very few games like that anymore. Tiger Woods actually had one. The one it was the the Palmer thing. I can't remember the name of it, but literally they had to bring out lights from the golf carts and stuff. They hey, were whatever works. In the dark. They didn't want to play the next day. They were going to delay it, and they're like, "No, let's get it done." I think it was him and Mickelson. Something crazy, well, like same thing. This this playing football that dark is was is akin to the skateboarding without your helmet. <laughs> I think it's even in I think it's even in Bagger Vance. There's a story like that in that book. So how do you meet your wife? You meet her in college? Uh, yeah, college. Uh, no, actually, Noah's Ark. Yeah, college, uh, Noah's Ark, uh, water park up there in Wisconsin Dells. She's from Wisconsin. Oh, for real? That's yeah. hilarious. Yeah. How does that happen? We were both lifeguards standing in the line, and she was talking about <laughs> where she was from, and she went to the school that my grandma taught at for 35 or so years in Lancaster, Wisconsin, where my dad's from. So we had something That's to talk awesome. about, and it kind of stuck. That's great. All right, so then you go, then how do you end up in the Iowa City? Do you go somewhere after the, that small uh, town paper? Uh, no, uh, after Fair, I left uh, Iowa City after Fairmont. have not lived in Iowa City since. Um, after Fairmont, it was back to Dubuque to be a book editor. Um, that did For not who? work out. For, For who? William C. Brown. Is that like a publishing company in Dubuque? Yeah, yeah. Wow. I was like basically a book copy editor. It was not cool books either. It was education. I'm asking Sorry, what edu- kind of books. It yeah, was I'm education. Got it. Um, so I, a bunch of art books that, that I was in charge of. And basically, you've read the fan, uh, fans notes, right? No. Is that um, a book? Yeah, Fred Exley, uh, uh, kind of a famous book. Anyway, he's basically caught sleeping under his desk. I was sleeping under my desk. I was caught doing... <laughs> Crossword puzzles. I was caught reading the tales of Arky March. Good for I was you. Caught re- I, I was basically, I was called in one time and I said, let's just make this two weeks. This job's not quite sticking. <laughs> and and the, the boss was so happy. So happy. And I was so happy that I brought her a little joy that day that, hey, it was all good. And uh, then I went from there to be, I was a part-timer at the Gazette for a year just kind of getting my crap together. And then I ended up a sports editor in Ottumwa, Iowa, which was awesome. And then I spent about a year there and then went to Dubuque. And uh, basically that was the path to Cedar Rapids, four years in Dubuque and then uh, 23 years now. So you start literally the year that Ferentz gets hired at Iowa is when you go to the Gazette and start, but you're doing Iowa State first, right? Is that Yeah, I, was, I did uh, I, I was 1998. Uh, I covered Iowa State. That happened to be the year that they broke through and beat Iowa. Yep. In football, so that was kind of a watershed moment. And the guy who covered Iowa didn't want to do it anymore. And who was that? His name was Jim Ecker. He just yeah, didn't want to do it anymore. And he was yeah. he'd been in it for ten years and just kind of resigned it. And yep. my boss J.R. Ogden said, "Hey, why don't you flip over to the Iowa beat?" And I did that. And I showed up. My first Iowa game was forty-nine to three. Actually, I covered every. Every game that Ferentz's first year, except for the North, the one win. But yeah, who, uh, I can't forget who the one win was. Uh, Northern Illinois. Yeah. And I was covering Iowa State and Las Vegas, which was a better deal. Were you there for his press conference when he got hired? No, I was not because I was, uh, my, I was sort of on the periphery. I was helping out with that. And some of the best contacts I made were with Mike Stoop. We, we, that makes he, sense. he kind of didn't know what was going on either. I mean, neither did I. And we just kind of, you know, shot the shit. And, uh, uh, I don't, we didn't become lifelong friends, but uh, you know, through that He's thing, we were like, I'm a yeah, huge fan. We were, we were, you know, we went through that, and so I, 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 uh, I was on the periphery of that, and then Kurt got hired, and I was not involved in that. And then I'm covering Iowa State, and I think McCarney in my year got he 
they signed a contract extension. That was big news. I think that said Iowa stayed up for the, the nice little run that Kearney had at the he end. He beat Iowa, of course. He, got he beat extension. Iowa, and he beat Iowa five straight. So uh, they got Iowa's attention. And then Kirk uh, started with that in, really in in 99. And toward the end of the season, you know, they were 1-10. And, and, you know, and then the interest took off of, the, you know, what we were doing. And and uh, just they got better. And in three years, uh, boy, they got a lot better. <laughs> And, and before I forget, McCarney, uh, he was part of that 83 coaching staff with Bobby Stoops, Ference, McCarney. Yes, he was. Um, McCarney's, very, McCarney's very much a Hawkeye, Iowa City person. You know, he's, yeah. he's, he's from there, and dad was, I want to say, the police chief there. I don't know all the Oh, was stories. he like City High or West or one of those uh, Yeah, I think huh. I think City High, but don't quote me, and I don't, I'm not 100% on that. I didn't know that. And then I'm blanking Wisconsin AD. Um, why am I blanking? Barry Alvarez. Barry Alvarez and uh, Kansas State. Um, Bill Snyder. Yeah, Snyder. And so, was, do you think McCartney will make the Hall of Fame? College? Hall uh, of Fame? No, I don't think so. There's just probably not. If maybe he won a, na- uh, not a national, uh, a Big 12 title, I think for sure. Uh, but that, out of that group, it's pretty impressive. You got Ferentz, Stoops, uh, Snyder. Alvarez, there's a fifth. Who, who am I missing? Is there not a fifth? Uh, Four Hall of Famers on there. I can't think of it. Yeah, and, and Stoops just got in the Hall of Fame. I know that Mike and, Mike and Bob Stoops were playing, were running scout team defenses against Bill Snyder. Great. It's a great story. Anyway, that, that, there was a great article in the Wall Street Journal. A few, like, it's kind of me, guy. It always seems like a few years ago, and it turns out it's like 15 years ago. But it was an article about Fry, and it was called the Harvard of college football coaching or something like that. And it wrote about Fry and all of his uh, roots. Well, everybody came, you know. I think he's earned it. But I think the one difference between him and Kirk that way is uh, Kirk has put a lot of guys in football. Not a lot of them are head coaches. Um, you look at some of the, there's a lot of NFL guys who are in personnel. There are a lot of high school coaches. Um, one of my favorite guys to talk to in, in Iowa football now is Sean Considine. He's out in uh, Iron, Illinois, helping coach a team. Um, I didn't know, but I love Constantine. He was in the Matt, pros for Matt, a little bit, wasn't he? Yeah, he was. He was in the pros for for more than like eight or nine years. And then Matt Bowen yep. from the first year, um, he coaches a team. I love hearing from those guys who coach high school football are still out there. Marcus Pascal's down in Largo, Florida. You'll see a couple of his guys kind of make their way up here in the next few years, maybe in the lineup. But uh, yeah, so yeah, that that staff obviously you know star studded Brett Bielema. I don't know if he was on that staff, but he was on that team. He was on that uh, team for sure. I still think Brett has one more, one more go around, and maybe, maybe one more dance. I think, I think he does too. He's he's young. Maybe, yeah, he is young, and he's having a chance now to maybe kind of reform. But I, I don't re not reform, but just re retell his story and get out of get on a on a palatable. Be palatable for a place like Iowa. I think he's got. A I job. think I think he's done a lot of growing up too. To be honest, and I say that weird, weirdly like now. I can't believe I'm that old that I'm talking about Brett Me and saying he's done some growing up. But I'm friends with him, and uh, he's I always, a hey, I've person. always I've always enjoyed my interaction. Um, I can't remember. Oh, maybe the Michigan State game, the first uh, in uh, in 2000 um, that they won. Uh, they kind of their first Big Ten win under Ferentz. Yeah. Somebody's. Uh, I, I, this is back when we used to get on the field a lot more. We can't now. Somebody slaps me in the back like I'm like I'm wearing shoulder pads. I turn around as Bielema. <laughs> yeah, he's got, he's like, got some yeah, good quotes. Cool. You can do that, man. That's awesome. That's all right. Yeah, he used to talk a lot of smack. Somebody was talking about that not that long no, ago. No, he was. He's. I think he's just one of those guys who you know on the football field. You have to put a bullet in his head to put him down. You know, that's the walk on <laughs> mentality. Now, that that's one of the great stories about Iowa. All these walk-ons, unbelievable. Yeah, and they they just they come with that double defiant chip on their shoulder. You, really, you have to you have to cement the coffin close, otherwise they're still going to come after you. Like when um God, I don't know why my brain's not working, but uh, tight end Colts. Why am I not? Yeah, Dallas Clark. Dallas Clark, and on that team, I think there was three guys who went to the NFL. They were drafted who were all walk-ons. He was him being one of them. Oof. Was uh, San- Sanders a walk-on? No. Uh, maybe Considine ended up. Yeah, maybe. He was a walk-on. Um, Derek 
I think Derek Pegel was a walk-on. Three guys. All right, so you get to Iowa. You start, Ference is there. He doesn't get off to a good start <laughs> with his one win. Right. And uh, so give us a little history on that. Like, what what uh, was that all uh, like? When we were uh, well, it, it, it grew and grew and grew, and now the media is way different than what we used to be. I mean, yada, 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 internet, yada, 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 social yeah. media, yada, yada, yada. Wow, what the hell am I, you know, what what makes sense? What is content anymore? So, yeah, that, that's basically been the progression. Um, beat writer guy is, uh, I think the entirety of the system needs, beat writer guy needs to be smarter, needs to be just wear so many hats and have so many more open ideas toward what, content needs to be and should be um it's changed so much and it changes to me it changes all the time and it's nice to be able to find to find certain things that people like to come back to like say a podcast or uh, a, a preview you know people come to this because you have a formula for a preview that makes sense to them and they like it and it's digestible that's kind of what you shoot for it's nice to be able to think you've hit those targets all the time i'm not stupid enough to know that i've to believe that I do. So yeah, when you say I, preview, like I, I like, I, I liken it to like when people like to watch the Olympics Yeah, and they, they used to delay the actual event. If you remember, it was on at night. And so the oh, family would sit around, yeah. but they yeah. would literally do a whole story, a backstory on the athlete. Mm-hmm. And they had a huge uh, woman audience, women's audience uh, for the sports like that. Cause I think that it appeals to people when you have that backstory. Absolutely. Is that what you mean by a preview? No, uh, sometimes, you know, sometimes you get lucky and you write a good preview, but the, the, telling stories like that on this stage anymore are almost impossible. But uh, for the most part, yeah, just getting the pieces together and, and, and for a game and showing people, okay, maybe this is how this is going to work. And then, you know, sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't. But the stories, yeah, the stories that, stories that penetrate, yeah, those are, Stories about people for the most part. You well, know? you've been and, one of the better storytellers for sure. I know that you're humble uh, and all that stuff, but but it's usually before the season where you don't get wrapped up in having to write about the games and everything. But when you have the time to actually go, like that Josie Jewell article was great. Yeah, that was that was in the season, but that was a that was you know that was sneaky. That was over. And I got all of that during the course of like eight press conferences. So if Josie would have gotten hurt, that all would have never seen the light of day. Wow. <laughs> What are some of your favorite things you've written? Uh, um, well, the Tristan Worf story last summer, I really enjoyed that because because we uh, I dealt with uh, you know he's from a single family home, biracial, uh, not not an easy thing, not an easy topic to, to kind of go through, kind of get you know to talk with people about. But is uh, his father in the picture at all? I don't I don't really know. No, him, not at all. Mom. Not yeah, at all. The picture, not at all. It's not around. Um, I don't know where that stands, but it didn't seem like there was a lot of outreach either way. So, you know, I don't want to make the story, you know, hammer that too much, but you know, that's obviously the source of pain, you know, or whatever, wherever sure. you put that for, for wherever, you know, if you're the worst, but, you know, I tried to write about the joys and, you know, the tribulations of being the biggest, biggest biracial kid around in a small uh, Lynn County town. Oh yeah. And he happened to be able to hit home runs when he was 12 years old. Unbelievable athlete. Um, over the Just park, incredible. off the swimming mushroom, into the community pool, um, throw discs into the tennis courts. I mean, it's a story of Paul Bunyan. I really <laughs> think I think it's a TV show. I really do. I hope the worst figure it out and make it a TV show because it's an incredible story and it com- overcomes so many odds. And you know, those stories are fun. Um, getting to know Akram. I know Akram's in the news today. It's not a good yep. day that way, no, but Akram, good Friday, yeah. Akram coming up. Um, always the story of a kid with dreams. Um, Albert Young went, did the same thing, went out to New Jersey with him and, uh, um, got to know him and, and got to meet his mom and, and hang out. Those things are the best. Meeting the Roth. I'll never forget meeting Matt Roth and his family. And what, a, what, a, what about different families? Oh my God. I mean, it's just like all the people you're naming, they all couldn't be more different. Yeah. And, uh, I think. I think that's really kind of the beauty of how this, when it works right. And right now we're going through some things. And I say we, I think the whole Iowa community. Oh, absolutely. Media, we, no, media, we, is, we totally coach, make sense. Yep. Coaches, everybody is kind of looking at the program right now going, hmm, 
Okay. I think in a really healthy way. I mean, I know, I know there are the headlines right now, like national news and everything, but I, you know, the more I look around at some of these other things, like uh, Oklahoma State coach the other day, his, I'm sure you saw that player was upset because he's wearing an OAN t-shirt. Did you see yeah. that? Yeah. And, you know, they're against Black Lives Matter and everything. And it's like, I don't know. To, uh, this is a healthy thing, I think, that's happening. If right you're now. a college football coach, I would just say this. Do not go to a Donald Trump rally, no matter what. You can vote <laughs> whoever you want to vote for. You know, that doesn't matter. You do that with a closed curtain in November. Don't go, don't show up at a Trump rally. It's probably going to be bad for your business. Yeah. It's, I mean, that's a, hate, hate me for all you want for saying that, but I hate it all. No, I don't. I know you're not, but people. <laughs> just, no, I'm sure there's people who get upset about that. I get it. It's just, but it's, yeah, I don't know. We'll leave it at that. Yeah. Um, so, so uh, the other thing I was going to ask you is um, one other question. I'm going to let you get out of here shortly. Sure. But, but um, one of my favorite feet things you did, which was incredible, and you kind of did it on your own, if I'm not mistaken, was the doing all of Ference's wins and breaking them down and ranking them. That was stupid, but that was fun. Um, and, and, you know what? It was necessary, I thought, because, you know, it, basically it was an idea I had. And boy, oh boy, it was a snowball, a really small snowball. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. It ended up being a lot of pressure, and it ended up being a lot of. I knew what I was going to write about at the end. There's a lot of pressure to to kind of nail it, and it and it was it was really rough to get through. I mean, and just look it up every day. Oh, seventy more to go. Oh, forty five <laughs> more to go. Oh, twenty five more to go. Um, that was not easy, but I think it was necessary in that everybody kind of has a reference point in. It's a great it's, history. It's, it's changed shape. I mean, at first, maybe, yeah, it was about parents. But then it becomes about more about the players. And then, hey, I was here, too. I saw some weird stuff, too. And, well, here's what I saw. And then um, it starts sparks conversations. Some of my favorite conversations out of that was was with people on Twitter about just their game day rituals. And uh, I learned about a certain fast food place is fantastic. <laughs> No, no, convenience store. I want to say AmFam or some convenience store down in Marengo, Iowa. I guess they have kick-ass breakfast sandwiches. And I, <laughs> I sure want one. So, yeah, that became, you know, it kind of opened my eyes to the, the idea that there's a community. And yeah. I know that everybody has, I know the media is all fractured. Everybody has their own kung fu and they think they're the coolest. But there's a big, there's a bigger community that you kind of submit yourself to. Well, especially yeah. in Iowa, with having no pro sports, it's, people don't understand how unique that is. Absolutely. And and to me, you, you kind of have to make it your way through the community. Um, but you also have yeah, to have a good eagle bad, eye. For sure. you, have to have, you have to have an eye, an eye toward governance. You have to have an eye toward fun. You have to have an eye toward the beat, who's coming, who's going, all that stuff. Uh, it's it's a, It showed me that it was a, this, this whole thing is a really, really human endeavor. And, uh, Without people, you know, you're just talking to yourself and no one cares. Well, one of the one of the things I'm going to, out of that series that you did, the the final year top win, which happens to be, I think you and I are alone in that opinion, which is the 6-4 winning over Penn State after Ference's dad passed. And you made it very personal for yourself as well about your own father yeah. and brother. So yeah, tell, tell a little bit about that. Tell a little bit of that story for people yeah. who haven't read it. Um, that was a weird week in that uh we came out on Tuesday and Kirk did his press conference and uh, his dad had passed and Kirk is not one of those people. He's just not, I mean, people are debating right now what kind of person he is. Well, from my view is this, he's just really private. He's not one of those people who brings in what's eating at him into the day, at least publicly from my point of view in a press conference. So, you know, I think it was Randy Peterson from the register found it like on Wednesday, later at later in the afternoon on Wednesday, that his dad had passed. I think he, he, uh, he so it wasn't even out there. It wasn't even, it wasn't even out there. So, you know, of course you do all the funeral stuff. He goes back to Penn state first from Pennsylvania. There's a funeral that he's, that he speaks at on Friday, his dad's funeral that he plays this game on Saturday. And the game ends up being the most fancy Ferenc game ever Ferenc. And, uh, so far, so Ferenc, it's, it's all deep. I mean, that take game, take that, an onside kick on purpose, and I think he gave a baseball metaphor. I went with the hot hand. But the 2004 defense is maybe Iowa's best unit that Ferentz has had. Uh, that 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 was the core of that team. 
Offense was fun to watch, and boy, offense, I get sucked into a lot of the headlines because Drew Tate was just so damn fun to watch, and he's quotable. Oh, my goodness. He I love Drew Tate. Such a, I love Drew Tate. He was, the, he was so pissed off all the time. He was such a cuss. I love that about him. Anyway, the, so the offense was very, very writable. Talk about having heart, too. That guy wore it on his sleeve. He was amazing. Yeah, yeah. And then they had this menacing defense. Jonathan Babineau was one of the best players to walk through the University of Iowa fields, period. He's, he was that good. He played, what, 12 years in the NFL, the same team. Um, yeah, his, crazy. His numbers that year were insane. Is that the Capital One Bowl year? Capital One Bowl year, you're right. And what's crazy about that, like the thing that's always driven me nuts about Ferencz's coaching staff was game clock management at the end of a game. And in that Capital One Bowl, they had like 47 seconds. They just needed three points to win. I think they were down by two. They just need a field goal. They don't use either timeout. And he throws that Hail Mary. And it's not really a Hail Mary, but... It was kind of like that to Holloway. It was just nuts. No timeouts. No, no time on the clock. It was crazy. Yep. Uh, I asked him about I asked his parents about timeouts afterward, and he got a little bit pissy because I think I probably was. <laughs> I probably asked in a smart-ass way, which is usually how this worked. But uh, uh, that 2004 team just. Uh, I don't think. I don't think. Well, I know that Kinnick will never see another Big Ten trophy come down the step. That was amazing. Right over the wall. Amazing. And so, and, and it obviously hit home to you also with your own father. Yeah. Yeah. My dad died in uh, 2016. He died. He got, he had a, he had a, a, a vascular disease in his brain. I cannot remember the name of it. Basically he had a stroke and he hit his head and then he had a bunch of seizures and that was it. But, uh, and you uh, lost so your brother right around the same time, obviously. 46 days later, wow. he was found dead in his kitchen floor. Um, he had a, he had a complicated, it ended up being sepsis that got him because he, something burst and he got basically poisoned, you know, it just kind of made him, uh, uh, sick that way. But, uh, anyway, that was 45 days apart. So, uh, coming out of that, you know, going, the, the, that season was tough. And then coming out of that into the 2017 season, it was kind of like, okay, let's do some reflection. And it all kind of works together. I mean, my dad passed away and my bro during the season and you know here i am at the wisconsin game covering i can't it would have been 2016 and he's over there he's over at the university of iowa hospital sick so uh uh that was a rough one and then you know i had my brother pass away that i don't think i fully got through that until maybe 2018 so uh, i don't think you ever fully get over it but yeah but uh um just you know well that's a beautiful I, I article to, that, that article's it was really hard for me to write about people again. It was really hard to get in with people and tell their stories again. And then I got really lucky with the Easley family. And and I just talked to Matt, Nick's brother. Nick played wide receiver at Iowa. Mm-hmm. Great, Great kid. Just a good story. And, you know, people from Newton were calling me, going, reaching out to me to talk about the guy. And I was like, you know what? There's, there's, a, there's value here. And. It's not me prying. It's not me totally using. It's them being proud of what they're, what they've done, and moving. You know, and they proud proud to tell their story. So they kind of woke me out of that. Seriously, that was one of the things I really needed to work through. That's awesome, man. That's the beauty of sports sometimes. And yeah, absolutely. That that stuff's out there. It's, Eric is still out there, no matter what's happening with the Hawkeyes right now. That is still out. The good feeling, that feeling of uh, just acceptance, completeness, and being part of something. Absolutely. That when sports works, that's the feeling. It's awesome. Well, let's leave it right there. That's a good spot right. to end it. I appreciate your time. Yeah. Always, as always, thanks for having me and uh, great talking to you as always. You're the best. Thanks. You bet, man. Bye. Love that Mark Morehouse. He's a great guy. For those of you that already read and listen to his expertise, I hope you found this enlightening. For those of you that don't, you should. He's insightful, a great writer. I hope you caught a small glimpse of his wit. We need to appreciate these folks. It's it's so easy to take them for granted. You can find his writing at the Cedar Rapids Gazette and listen to him on his uh, podcast, the On Iowa podcast. I'll post the links. Little post-interview house cleaning. Get ready for a lot of these moving forward. 52 years old, my mind's already going. I don't get it. Obviously, Hayden Fry was the fourth Hall of Famer I couldn't come up with. And uh, on that 83 staff, duh. 
The, the current Hall of Famers on that staff are Fry, Alvarez, Snyder, Stoops, and obviously I can't imagine Ferentz won't be the fifth one on the list in short order. It's pretty remarkable when you think about that. You know, they bring it up on every football game and show that picture, but it really is remarkable. Also, clearly, uh, BMA is younger than me, showing up three years after I arrived on campus. Uh, he was nowhere near those 83 to 86 teams. How he ended up with Alvarez at Wisconsin is something I kind of want to look into. We're going to get to the bottom of that. Last but not least, uh, for some reason, I'm incredibly uncomfortable sitting in front of a hot mic alone. Let me hear from you so I, so I know who I'm talking to. It would probably help me. I promise to get better at this. I feel like that freshman wrestling in Hawaii that had zero business doing so. But I'm also not going to go play soccer as much as you might want me to. You can find Black and Yellow Gold on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and the site will be going up pretty shortly. I'll put the links in the podcast as well. And most importantly, thanks a lot for listening. Stay safe, my friends, and go Hawks.